Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Dozens of people found dead in a tractor trailer in Texas. It's part of a suspected human smuggling operation and part of a tragic trend. Some purported shady business and politics, drug money to fund a campaign, sleeper candidates of the opposite party to win local elections. We fill you in on what's happening in South Carolina. Voters in Illinois hit the polls for the state's primary election. We take a look at some of the more critical seats in a state that one report says could flip the majority in the House. One U.S. political party has reportedly gained a net amount of voters to the tune of hundreds of thousands this past year. Which party is gaining more voters and which communities are seeing the biggest shift? Authorities announced Tuesday that three people are in custody after 50 illegal immigrants were found dead inside a tractor trailer near San Antonio, Texas on Monday night. Entity's Jessica Beatty has more. At least 46 people were found dead Monday in San Antonio, trapped inside this 18-wheeler with temperatures over 100 degrees. It appears to be one of the most deadly recent incidents of human smuggling along the U.S.-Mexico border. The fire chief says they found 16 people alive, including four children. He says they were suffering from heat stroke and exhaustion and were taken to the hospital. The patients that we saw were hot to the touch. They were suffering uh, from uh, no signs of water in the vehicle. It was a refrigerated tractor trailer, but there was no uh, visible working AC unit on that rig. Police say a person in the area heard a cry for help around 6 o'clock Monday evening. The fire chief says crews arrived minutes later and found the bodies. The police chief says they have some people in custody, but they were not found with the truck, and their involvement is not yet clear. We have three people custody. We don't know if they are absolutely connected to this or not. There have been a record number of illegal crossings at the U.S.-Mexico border in recent months, sparking criticism of President Biden's immigration policies. Texas Governor Republican Greg Abbott tweeted, these deaths are on Biden. They're a result of his deadly open border policies. They show the deadly consequences of his refusal to enforce the law. Officials count more than 14,000 search and rescues along the U.S.-Mexico border since October. That's about 1,000 more than the total for the last fiscal year, with more than three months to go. Biden official Alejandro Mayorkas, who heads Homeland Security, responded to the truck deaths on Twitter. He tweeted, I'm heartbroken by the tragic loss of life. And he called human smugglers callous individuals who have no regard for the vulnerable people they exploit and endanger in order to make a profit. Mayorkas said ICE is investigating what happened. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. President Biden's nominee for ICE director has withdrawn. He withdrew amid a delay in the confirmation process. In a series of posts on Twitter, Ed Gonzalez said he had informed the Biden administration. He said, more than a year has passed since the president nominated me for this important position, which has not had a Senate-confirmed director since the Obama administration. Under President Trump's administration, the agency was led by acting officials. Gonzalez's first nomination in 2021 expired before it could be voted on. Biden then nominated him a second time, but allegations of domestic abuse delayed his second potential confirmation. He finally decided to step away from the process and wrote that he arrived at his decision after earnestly considering what's best for the nation, his family, and the people of Harris County who elected him to serve a second term as sheriff. 
At least three people are dead and dozens more injured after an Amtrak train derailed in Missouri. Over 200 people were on board. The train was headed to Chicago from Los Angeles when it hit a dump truck in the rural city of Menden, Missouri. A police spokesperson said the collision occurred at an uncontrolled crossing without lights or signals. Missouri State Patrol said two of those killed were on the train and one was in the truck. Only one of the train cars was left standing after the crash. The rest were overturned. Locals brought ladders to help people escape the overturned cars. The chairwoman for the National Transportation Safety Board says it's too early to speculate why the truck was on the tracks. She says a team of investigators will begin work and trains won't be able to run on the track for a matter of days while they gather evidence. A South Carolina Democratic state representative running for U.S. Senate is under fire for her campaign strategies. In an audio recording leaked to Project Veritas, the state representative allegedly talks about having Democrat sleepers run as Republicans to win local elections and requests drug money to fund her campaign. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg reports. South Carolina Democratic State Representative Crystal Matthews was recorded on a phone call with inmate David Solomon Ballard at the Perry Correctional Institute in Greenville County on February 15th. The recording was obtained and verified by Project Veritas, a nonprofit watchdog organization. Matthews is a candidate on the ballot for the U.S. Senate Democratic primary runoff on Tuesday. In the call, Matthews says Democrats need to have sleepers run in the Republican Party state elections to improve their chances. We need some secret sleepers. Like, we need need them to run as the other side, even though they're for our side. And we need them to win. We need people to run as Republicans in these local elections. This is the only way you're going to change the, the dynamics in South Carolina. Inmate phone calls are recorded, and those making the call are notified by an operator that calls are being recorded. We gotta take back some of these seats, especially in these local elections. We need a group of sleepers. Ballard was jailed in 2018 on a four-year sentence for threatening the life of Aiken County Sheriff Mike Hunt and his family, according to the state. It is unclear what their relationship is, but Matthews refers to him as an activist on the call. When we get enough of us in there, we can wreak havoc for real from the inside out. Ballard is now serving a 10-year sentence for resisting arrest and assaulting an officer. Matthews complains about how hard it is to raise money for her campaign and says she doesn't care if she obtains funding from drug money. I don't care about no dope money. Give me that dope boy money. Where the duffel bag boys? Get you, find you somebody in your family that don't even know you donating to my campaign and put that shit under their name. The state rep then uses racial slurs and talks about how there are different types of black people. Honestly, these ain't the same type of black people that I grew up around. I don't recognize these black men. Matthews also says there is a need for people to take yard signs down at night while people are sleeping. She assumed state office in 2018 as a representative of South Carolina's District 117. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. NTD reached out for comment from Representative Matthews and the prison, but did not hear back by airtime. Illinois voters are heading to the polls as the state's primary election opens. Let's take a look at some of the most critical races. Candidates in Illinois are vying for 17 House seats, one Senate seat, and the state's governorship. According to the nonpartisan Cook Political Report, five of the House seats are winnable for Republicans, the minimum number they need to flip the majority in the House. In the newly drawn 13th Congressional District, Democratic frontrunner Nikki Budzinski is the former chief of staff for the Biden administration's Office of Management and Budget. 
Her campaign has raised $1.7 million. Running in the GOP primary are Jesse Rising, a former federal prosecutor, and Reagan Deering, a small business owner and philanthropist. They told the Epic Times that everyday issues under the Democratic leadership were their best chance to run against Budzinski, including inflation, gasoline prices, and crime rates. In the 17th District, multiple Democrats are running against a well-funded GOP contender. In the Democratic primary, meteorologist Eric Sorensen and former Rockford City Councilman Jonathan Logman led the fundraising race at some $450,000 and $370,000 respectively. But these figures are dwarfed by the $2.7 million raised by GOP frontrunner Esther King, a real estate lawyer and former Army captain. The 6th District pits two Democratic incumbents against each other, two-term Representative Sean Castern and the first-term Representative Marie Newman. Castern positions himself as more moderate than Newman. He has now raised over $3 million, almost twice as much as Newman. In the 11th and 14th districts, Democratic incumbent Bill Foster and Lauren Underwood have raised over $2 million and $4.5 million, respectively. Among Republicans, young conservative Catalina Luff has raised $1.4 million in her race for the 11th district. She served as an advisor to the U.S. Department of Commerce during the Trump administration. In the race for the only Senate seat available, Democratic incumbent Senator Tammy Duckworth faces little competition in the primary. She raised over $10 million, almost 30 times as much as the best-funded Republican rival. A net 370,000 or so voters are switching to the Republican Party. We bring you the details from an Associated Press analysis. According to an analysis released by the Associated Press on Monday, around 1.7 million voters across 42 states have likely switched their party affiliations in the past 12 months. Two-thirds of them, or at least 1 million voters, have switched to the Republican Party, and around 630,000 people switched to the Democratic Party. The Associated Press got the data from political research firm L2, and the news outlet said that it compiled ballot intentions to make the finding. The outlet comments that the shift is happening more frequently in suburbs. The report says the GOP gained ground in suburban counties around medium-sized cities, such as Denver, Colorado, Cleveland, Ohio, Atlanta and Augusta, Georgia, Pittsburgh and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Raleigh, North Carolina, and Des Moines, Iowa. Chair of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, told the Associated Press, quote, Biden and Democrats are woefully out of touch with the American people, and that's why voters are flocking to the Republican Party in droves. She says President Biden's gas hike, the open border crisis, baby formula shortage, and rising crime are responsible for creating this shift. Some longtime Democratic pollsters, meanwhile, have sounded the alarm for the midterms. Mark Penn, a Bill Clinton pollster, wrote for the New York Times in April, quote, These economic blows are just one element in a cascading set of problems all hitting at the same time. Still to come, California voters will soon vote on whether to cement abortion access into California's state constitution, and California officials are reacting to the Supreme Court's decision on Roe v. Wade. And Costco is recalling up to 400,000 Chinese-made solar umbrellas. Reports show that a malfunction may cause the umbrellas to catch fire. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News.
President Biden said that even though they have made progress, it's still important to stand up for equal access and inclusion for lesbians, gays, and transgender people. Next, we take a closer look at his plan to protect LGBT students and the impact that would have on fellow student-athletes. We hear from a former NCAA Division I champion. She's also the co-founder of the advocacy group called the Independent Council on Women's Sports or Icons. Joining us now is Marshy Smith, who is the co-founder of Icons. Thank you for making the time, Marshy. Thank you for having me. How would President Biden's proposed protections for the LGBT students under Title IX affect female athletes? Well, um, you know, it's a question of biology uh, for many of us, um, overcoming the male advantage that um, male athletes uh, develop over puberty is something that can never be turned back. And so to categorize uh, women athletes with uh, people who have developed through this male puberty process, um, we believe creates an unfair advantage that um, women can't overcome and therefore um, makes competition directly in athletics um, really uh, an impossible battle to scale for many girls and women in sports. And in your experience, has this caused a big problem? Are there many instances of this? You know, there surprisingly are. Um, the general public doesn't hear about most of them because there is a fear of backlash to come out publicly and oppose um, regulations across many sports. I mean, it has touched more sports than I could possibly imagine. And I've only been um, kind of closely uh, following this for a few months since our swim team, the University of Arizona, has released a collaborative letter on behalf of um, the alumni to um, protest the guidelines that allowed the, um, a, the first trans woman to compete in uh, NCAA swimming. What has been the impact of this? Um, so far, we have received no response. It's been about 95 days since we sent it to the NCAA Board of uh, Governors, and we have heard nothing. Um, we have some of the most accomplished swimmers in NCAA history, and the, the letter was entitled, Do We Have a Voice? And to us, the answer from the NCAA has been no. So we are trying to find ways to speak to the general public and other sports governing bodies to find a way to have a voice on this. And you had mentioned what happens when males go through puberty and the changes in their bodies. Would you be open to any negotiation on this in terms of what type of trans athletes or would it just be all trans would pose a problem in female sports? Well, recently FINA, which is the international uh, sports governing body that covers not only swimming but aquatic sports, um, has come out with a new um, guideline that has proposed that if you are not, uh, if you are born male and um, have not begun uh, transitioning prior to the age of 12, you are no longer eligible for the women's category. And for um, our team and for many women, we feel like, um, you know, this is a step in the right direction and that we hope that it um, trickles down to the governing bodies that fall underneath this international board 
and that it will encourage other sports to look at science that um, in determining their rules for their sports because there are other sports such as FIFA soccer that have gone the other direction towards self-identification um, opposed to uh, biology. Marcy Smith, co-founder of Icons, thank you so much for your input on this. Thank you so much. California voters will decide in November whether to guarantee abortion access in their state constitution. It comes after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. SCA 10 would allow our voters to make it clear that in California, abortion and contraception are health care and are a private matter between a patient and their medical providers. People that believe, believe that a baby has a soul somewhere along the line. So if you abort that baby, you're aborting one of the creations. So anyway, you might want to think about that. California is controlled by Democrats who are pro-abortion, so access to the procedure is not likely to end anytime soon. But legal access to an abortion in California is based upon the right to privacy in the state constitution. And the Supreme Court's ruling declared that a right to privacy does not guarantee the right to an abortion. California Democrats fear this ruling could leave the state's abortion laws vulnerable to challenge in state courts. California lawmakers agreed to put a constitutional amendment on the ballot this year concerning the status of abortion in the state. Voters will ultimately have to decide whether that amendment becomes law. A pair of drug traffickers caught in California carrying 150,000 fentanyl pills are released just days after being arrested. The sheriff's office was forced to release the men after receiving a court order. The two men were arrested after a traffic stop turned into a drug bust. The Tulare County Sheriff's Office says all inmates booked into the county jail are analyzed in a risk assessment process by a judge. That judge then determines if they can be released or held on bond. The men are residents of Washington State and are 19 and 25 years of age. The sheriff said he strongly disagrees with the court's decision to release them. The drugs they were carrying are worth $750,000. According to a report from the CDC, fentanyl was linked to the most drug overdose deaths in 2021. Fentanyl is increasingly put in other drugs to cut costs. Costco is pulling hundreds of thousands of Chinese-made solar umbrellas from its shelves. Authorities say a malfunction can cause the items to catch fire. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission says it received six reports of product malfunctions. A person went to the hospital for smoke inhalation due to one of the incidents. These patio umbrellas were made in China. They were imported into the U.S. through California-based firm Sun Villa. The CPSC says the lithium-ion batteries in the umbrella's solar panels can overheat, creating a fire and burn hazard. The agency is asking consumers to stop using the products and to remove the solar panel puck. Customers should also avoid charging them with the AC adapter. Since 2020, more than 400,000 of these umbrellas have been sold at Costco in the U.S. and Canada. Sunvillo and Costco are contacting all known purchasers to offer full refunds. According to a report from Bank of America, Bed Bath & Beyond has turned off its in-store air conditioning as a way to save money. An official with Bed Bath & Beyond, however, denies the allegation, saying any possible changes to store temperatures have not come from corporate. A report on their last quarter showed sales dropped 22 percent, and analysts say the company's recent sales promotions haven't clicked with much consumers. 
Bank of America officials also say they expect the retailer will be announcing additional store closures and halted opening in the near future. Seven people had to be rescued off the coast of Florida this weekend after their boat was hit by lightning. Someone on the boat was actually recording a video of the moment the lightning struck. They were out for a fishing tournament about 100 miles off the coast of Clearwater when it happened. Luckily, no one was hurt and a Coast Guard helicopter was able to get everyone out of the boat. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. Just ahead, survivors of a Russian missile strike on a mall in Ukraine recall the moment of the attack. People are still missing. The Ukrainian president says around 1,000 people were in the mall at the time. And Russia is poised to default on its foreign debt for the first time in over a century. The Kremlin says it's able to pay, but that payments couldn't be processed due to Western sanctions. Find out more after the short break. In a central Ukrainian intensive care ward, people lay wrapped in bloody bandages, stunned and in pain. They are just a few of the victims of a Russian missile strike on a busy shopping mall in the city of Kremenchuk on Monday. Rescue workers in Ukraine on Tuesday scrambled to find survivors of a Russian missile strike on a busy shopping mall. More than a dozen people were killed when two missiles struck the mall in the city of Kremenchuk on Monday. While firefighters and soldiers sifted through rubble, medical workers tended to the injured. The public hospital is treating 25 patients, some of them in critical condition. This husband and wife were shopping at an electronics store when the blast hit. I flew headfirst and splinters hit my head. The whole place was collapsing. Then I landed on the floor and I don't know if I was conscious or unconscious. I saw lots of wounded people, burned people. Some were covered in blood. One girl fell down and we helped pull her along. She fell and lost consciousness, but we tried to help her. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has called the attack a calculated strike. He said around a thousand people were in the mall at the time. Not all of them have been accounted for. At a hotel near the mall, people lined up to register the names of those who are still missing about 40 so far. I was working and I heard the explosion and I saw the fire. I put my friend's name on the list, but we have no information whether he's alive or not. Witnesses said an air raid siren had sounded the alarm ahead of the attack, but shops remained open. The mall's management had recently changed the rules, allowing them to do so. Russia had yet to comment on the strike by early Tuesday. Meanwhile, leaders of the group of seven major democracies have raised an outcry, calling the strike, quote, abominable. They promised nearly $30 billion in new aid for Kyiv. Russia is poised to default on its foreign debt for the first time since the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917. The country is alienated from the global financial system following Western sanctions over the war in Ukraine. Here are the details. A 30-day grace period on Russia's interest payments, originally due on May 27th, expired on Sunday. Russia says it has the money to pay its debts, but Western sanctions have frozen its foreign currency reserves held abroad. 
These allegations of default are absolutely unjustified in this case because back in May, the necessary currency payment was made. And the fact that Euroclear withheld this money and did not bring it to the recipients is no longer our problem. The Kremlin says Russia has continued to make payments, but they could not be processed because of the sanctions. It could take time to officially confirm a default. Chris Weifer, a veteran Russian economy analyst at consulting firm Macro Advisory, explains the situation. Russia says that it, it's provided the money to the payment banks, the international banks that make the payments, uh, provided the money, but it wasn't sent on. And it looks like the, the banks have complied with uh, international sanctions and have uh, withheld, withheld the payment. Russia's default may impact other countries that are also struggling to make their payments. That will add pressure uh, in global debt markets and investors will uh, tighten up their risk requirements and that very well could lead to further defaults in, in other uh, emerging markets. Once a country defaults, it can be cut off from bond market borrowing until the default is sorted out and investors regain confidence in the government's ability and willingness to pay. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro said the country's head of Congress met a United States delegation to continue talks that began in March. The U.S. says it's focused on the welfare of detained U.S. citizens. The Venezuelan president did not give any details on the U.S. officials who arrived in Caracas. He also did not address the issues they allegedly discussed with the head of the Venezuelan National Assembly. A U.S. visit to the country is said to be focused on the welfare of U.S. citizens detained in the country. It's not clear what else is on the agenda. The delegation includes the special presidential envoy on hostage affairs. During a public appearance on Monday, Maduro invited French President Emmanuel Macron and French companies to produce oil and gas from Venezuela for European and global markets. In March, a high-level delegation from the United States met with Maduro at the government palace. Easing sanctions was among the topics discussed, although no agreement was reached. The March visit led to the release of two Americans held in Venezuela, but others remain jailed there. CCTV footage captured the moment a storage tank containing chlorine gas slammed down onto a ship deck at Jordan's Aqaba port. It was a deadly accident that killed at least 10 people and wounded more than 250 others. Authorities called on residents to shut windows and stay indoors. Officials said the tank was filled with nearly 25 tons of chlorine gas set to be exported. A video posted on state television's Twitter page showed a storage tank falling from a winch and slamming into the deck of a ship. That was followed by yellow-colored gas rising into the air as people run away. Jordan's prime minister has formed a team to investigate the incident, chaired by the interior minister, according to state TV. Coming up, the U.S. Air Force is reactivating a squadron with F-35 fighter jets. They say this is due to China's development of advanced fighter jet technology. We'll have all that and more for you in just a minute. The Chinese Communist Party is building up its military more rapidly than any other time since World War II. That's according to the commander of the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command, Admiral John Aquilino. Speaking at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, he said buildup covers all military domains and capabilities. That includes naval ships, 
fifth-generation aircraft, missile forces and cyber, as well as space and strategic nuclear capabilities. Aquilino stressed the importance of Guam to the U.S. in the Indo-Pacific. The island is home to more than 120,000 U.S. citizens, but it's now facing a 360-degree threat from rocket forces within the People's Liberation Army. And Aquilino pointed to the U.S. partnership with Japan and South Korea, saying the U.S. can operate as a joint force across vast distances. His remarks echoes the 2022 National Defense Strategy. In that document, the Pentagon identified the Chinese regime as, quote, the most consequential strategic competitor and the pacing challenge. The U.S. Air Force is reacting to the development of advanced fighter jets by foreign adversaries such as China. The Air Force is reactivating a squadron that includes F-35s, one of the most advanced stealth fighter jets in the world. Let's take a look. The U.S. Air Force reactivated the 65th Aggressor Squadron in a ceremony at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada earlier this month. The new unit also gets its first F-35 stealth fighter jet. During a combat training mission with other pilots, the 65th Aggressor Squadron replicated the tactics and techniques of U.S. adversaries. General Mark Kelly heads the Air Combat Command. He said they are doing this due to the growing threat posed by Communist China's development of fifth and sixth generation fighter jets. And that, quote, precisely because we have this credible threat, when we do replicate a fifth gen adversary, it has to be done professionally. The F-35 stealth fighter jet is a fifth generation fighter jet because it has low observable technology. The only other countries that operate fifth-generation jets are China and Russia. The aggressor program began in the 1970s to provide pilots the opportunity to train against a U.S. aggressor force. The aggressor squadron would replicate advanced and credible tactics by adversary. Colonel Scott Mills commands the 57th Operations Group. He said that using the F-35 as an aggressor allows pilots to train against low observable threats similar to what adversaries are developing. The 65th Aggressor Squadron was active from 2005 and 2014, and back then they flew the F-15s, which are fourth-generation fighter jets, because they don't have stealth characteristics. Multiple attorneys general petitioned the Supreme Court concerning American citizens' rights to religious freedom. They asked the court to reconsider a ruling on harassment of Falun Gong practitioners, calling it an issue of national importance. Here's more. 23 attorneys general filed a multi-state amicus brief with the U.S. Supreme Court, upholding the right to religious freedom in the United States. According to a press release by Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton's office, the AGs are calling on the highest court to revert a lower court decision. In 2015, 13 residents of Flushing, New York, filed a complaint against the Chinese Anti-Cult Alliance worldwide. Petitioners detailed a six-year campaign that saw more than 40 beatings, incidents of harassment, and death threats against them. The reason? That they participated in parades on behalf of the Falun Gong meditation practice, handed out related leaflets, or managed a booth with related literature. Freedom of religion in places of religious worship is protected under the Freedom of Clinic Entrance Act. But the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Court in New York dismissed the case, holding that the plaintiffs were not protected by the statute. The AGs argue that the lower court narrowly interpreted the term to mean places devoted primarily to religious worship. 
and by doing so, it unduly narrowed a statute meant to bar the worst acts of violence in many of America's sacred places. The brief also states Falun Gong practitioners are exactly the sort of worshipers one might expect to find safety in a statute like this. DAGs therefore found the ruling wrong on an issue of national importance that stands at the center of our constitutional tradition. Falun Gong is a spiritual practice that originated in China, but that has been persecuted by the Chinese Communist Party since 1999. In 2021 alone, over 10,000 cases of harassment and 6,000 arrests linked to the practice have been reported in mainland China. Burmese authorities burned illegal narcotics worth over $640 million across the country on Sunday. It marks the annual International Day Against Drug Abuse and Illicit Trafficking. Confiscated drugs like heroin, cannabis, methamphetamine, and ketamine, along with seized chemicals used for synthetic drug production, were destroyed in the Yangon area. Similar destruction ceremonies occurred Sunday in other areas. Burma, also known as Myanmar, is one of the world's largest manufacturers of narcotics, much of which is produced in border regions outside the military government's control. Burma is facing a new challenge of synthetic drugs being produced after seeing a drop in the cultivation and production of the opium poppy. That's according to Burma's Home Affairs Minister, who delivered that message during the drug burning ceremony. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. Still to come, a wine from Sussex receives protected designation of origin status. The recognition is a boost to England's reputation as a world-class winemaker. Italy's drought is affecting farmers. It's the country's worst drought in 70 years, and farmers are finding it hard to irrigate crops. Stay tuned for more in just a minute. A German court sentenced a former SS guard, now 101 years old, to five years in prison today. He was sentenced for assisting in the murder of some 3,500 people at the Sachsenhausen concentration camp, bringing to an end one of the last Nazi trials in Germany. Prosecutors said the man, known only as Joseph S., was a member of the Nazi party's paramilitary SS. They say he helped send over 3,500 people to their death at the camp by standing guard in the watchtower between 1942 and 1945. The man's full name was not disclosed due to German trial reporting rules. The concentration camp housed mainly political prisoners from across Europe, along with Soviet prisoners of war and some Jews. Some prisoners in the camp were murdered with Zyklon B, the poison gas used in other extermination camps where millions of Jews were killed during the Holocaust. The trial took nearly nine months. Doctors said the man was only partially fit to stand trial, and sessions were limited to two and a half hours a day. There have been a number of charges brought against former concentration camp guards in recent years. A 2011 court ruling paved the way for these prosecutions. It says that even those who contributed indirectly to wartime murders without pulling a trigger or giving an order could bear criminal responsibility. Northern Italy is grappling with the worst drought the country has seen in 70 years, and it's causing its largest river to dry up. The extremely low water levels of the River Po now threaten the drinking water supply and are stopping farmers from being able to irrigate their crops. Entity's Eddie Aitken has more on this. 
The sun-scorched banks of the River Po in Boreto, Emilia-Romagna, Italy's largest river, is turning into an expanse of sand. There's been barely any rain in northern Italy for more than 110 days, and snowfall in the surrounding Alps is down by 70%. According to the Po Basin Authority, the drought is the worst Italy has seen in 70 years. The low water levels grab the attention of the locals, here revealing a World War II shipwreck of the Internati Island Natural Park near Gualateri. It's the first time that we can see this barge. Due to the scarce water and the drought, the level of the water is so low. In the past years, we couldn't see it. The Po flows for over 400 miles from Turin to Venice. The few spots of rain that have occurred this month have been extreme and very localized downpours that were not absorbed by the land and did not reach the Po and its aquifers. The current situation is threatening both the supply of drinking water and crop irrigation in the most densely populated and intensively farmed area of the country. The Po River Basin Authority constantly monitors the flow of the river. Water tankers have already started refilling empty reservoirs in many cities of Lombardy and Piedmont. But then in the downstream final part of the delta near Ferrara, where we are supplying drinking water to more than 250,000 people, and also in the area of Rimini, there's a real risk of not having water, which means no drinking water for human usage. The region produces 40% of Italian food. Martina Codalupi, is a farmer from the tiny rural town of Guastala. This year, she is very concerned about the harvests. Her fields are entirely irrigated with water coming from the pole, and they're already suffering due to the lack of winter and spring rains. She fears the pumpkin crop may well already be lost. The pumpkin shoots were hand-watered twice a day, but they need water again, with such high temperatures with 20 degrees Celsius at night and 34, even 35 degrees during the day, with no rain, and it seems that there will not be rains in the coming days. The situation is catastrophic. The CIA, Italian Farmers Confederation, estimates that wheat yields could drop by 20 to 40 percent this year due to poor rainfall. Eddie Aitken, NTD News. Soon, a wine from Sussex will receive a special designation alongside beverages like Prosecco and Champagne. It's become the latest UK product to be given a protected origin status and as a boost to England's reputation as a world-class wine producer. NTD's Andrew Thomas reports. Here at Stopham Vineyard and Winery, there's something to celebrate. The Sussex-based winemaker produces 50,000 bottles of still and sparkling wine every year. Recently, it's been granted geographically protected status. Any wine produced in East or West Sussex will be given a protected designation of origin status, or PDO, similar to Prosecco and Champagne. I think actually the time would be better for all of us to get together and make actually English and Welsh wine a brand rather than the individual counties or regions. Traditional methods must be used for production, and it must meet a minimum alcohol content. It also must have characteristics reflective of the area. But some working in the British winemaking industry think the designation is divisive and have dismissed it as a marketing exercise. We would really like somebody to go into a hotel and say, I'd like a glass of Sussex, Sussex sparkling, Sussex still. I think that's what we're aiming for. While the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have helped make the area more recognized internationally, Stopham Winery is eager to push the Sussex brand. And thanks to the recent designation, they're receiving more recognition. It's good news for Sussex wine. Cheers. Cheers.
Andrew Thomas, NTD News. A well-preserved Roman floor mosaic has returned to the site where it was found. After a decade-long tour of some of the world's top museums, it's now back in a suburb of Tel Aviv. The 1,700-year-old mosaic is from the late Roman period. It shows a rich variety of fish, animals, birds, and ships. It was found in 1996 during highway construction work, but it was not put on display until 2009 when they got enough funding donated to preserve it. The colorful mosaic is 55 feet long and about 30 feet wide. Officials say it may have been the floor of a mansion's foyer. Israel Antiquities Authority says the design was influenced by North African mosaics. It lacks any depiction of people, which suggests it may have belonged to a Christian or a Jew. That's because they may have wanted to avoid pagan attributes, such as depictions of Roman gods. The mosaic will now show at an archaeological center, which was built where it was found. And coming up, one of Japan's most famous modern poets continues to write at age 90 after a successful career. For him, the poetry is a celebration of the Japanese language. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News. Famed Japanese poet Shintaro Tanakawa is among Japan's most famous modern poets and has more than 100 poetry books published. At 90 years old, he remains inspired. Tanakawa's poem, Two Billion Light Years of Solitude, catapulted him to stardom in the early 1950s. Tanakawa was always in demand. He says poetry used to be work for him, but now it's more of a passion. It's like I'm writing poems because I have nothing else to do. Before, I wasn't really enjoying writing poems, but recently I've been spending a lot of time on writing, finding flaws and rewriting. As Tanakawa has grown older, he's noticed changes in his work. Sometimes I have a chance to read my poem I wrote a long time ago. When I read the poems I wrote when I was in my late teens, it is clearly different, such as vocabulary and writing styles. Poems naturally reflect on what I was thinking back then. I feel like I was so young and naive. For Tanakawa, the poetry is a celebration of the Japanese language. For me, the Japanese language is the ground. Like a plant, I place my roots, drink in the nutrients of Japanese language, sprouting leaves, flowers, and bearing fruit. Tanakawa stresses he is changing with age, noting 90 feels much older than 80. But for him, it's a natural part of life. The meaning of death was vague and abstract before, but now my body is moving toward death. You know, I'm hobbling around in many ways. I feel like I'm waning, although it doesn't necessarily mean I'm sick. It's a step toward death. In that sense, the meaning of death has become more clear than before. Tanakawa hopes to pass away as his father did, in his sleep after a night of partying, at 94 years old. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. A double mystery on the moon. One, which country is responsible for a rocket that crashed into the moon? Two, why did it leave two craters? NASA says astronomers noticed a rocket on the collision course with the moon last year. It crashed on March 4th and left a double crater. At least 47 NASA rocket bodies have created spacecraft impacts on the moon, according to 2016 data from Arizona State University. But this is the first time a rocket has caused two craters on the moon. NASA says two large masses on each end of the rocket may have caused the two craters. So far, no nation has taken responsibility for the rocket. 
How many of us plan for retirement? How different will it be from our work lives? And how organized do we need to be? There are so many questions, but no need to stress. Here's Gina Marie, who brings us Strong Mind and Body. retirement long awaited and now here you made the transition pretty easily but what about all the extra time the best later in life pursuits are those that give you joy it's good to have micro moments of joy during the day they help to build mental strength and resiliency for stressful times we know how unproductive surfing the net and social media are so you're going to want to avoid that trap Choose something that gets you out of the house and engages you with mixed age groups. Ignore your inner critic and try something new. Have you thought of continuing education programs? They can offer variety and you can also meet new friends. Fees are usually moderate depending on the resources used. And how about music? What's not to love about it? Ask around for a good teacher and consider picking up a new instrument. A 2015 article in Journal of Neuroscience showed a reduced decline in auditory processing. That's something most of us experience as we age. Have you considered archery? You could take a lesson or two. Learning the correct technique will tone your upper body and improve your posture. It can be meditative. What about pickleball? It's a cross between tennis and ping pong. It's popular with over 60s and it helps to improve your hand-eye coordination. It's been described as infectious and there's room for all skill levels. Another idea is rowing or kayaking. Now there's a real core workout with no impact on your joints. Rowing helps with learning and memory and there will be clubs near you. And what about a practice like Tai Chi or maybe even Falun Gong? It's an energy practice that works on the mind and body. Practitioners of Falun Gong says it boosts energy levels and also offers clarity of thought. It's free to learn and is suitable for all ages. Another idea is cooking. Are you a keen cook? If so, get foraging for food. It can help you get into the fresh air of nature. Go with experienced foragers until you're confident about safe mushroom species. Many wild plants are chock full of nutrients and vitamins. Just make sure they haven't been sprayed. You could also learn a foreign language. It's good for creating new pathways in the brain and keeps dementia at bay. Whatever you choose, fun is the key. They have a saying in China that meditation is the best medicine. There's a new red panda cub at the Milwaukee County Zoo. The female cub was born June 12th in a secluded nest box where keepers can monitor her via cameras. The zoo says red pandas are attentive mothers, keeping the cubs hidden for the first two or more months of life. The cub relies on her mother for milk, nursing for the first 13 to 22 weeks of life. At around four to six months, she'll be introduced to solid food that is softened in water. The cubs have gray fur when they are born, and it will turn red over the next couple of months. Red pandas are considered endangered due to deforestation, poaching, and trapping in the eastern Himalayas. It is estimated that only about 2,500 red pandas exist in the wild. The cub will be on public display in a few months. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email address on screen. We'd love to hear from you. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. Until next time, Kevin Hogan. NTD News, New York City.